1021. 1 John chapter 1. It really is a, a privilege each and every week just to have this vantage point to see life and relationships throughout this room, that this isn't a, a formal gathering of people where we get in and get out as soon as possible, but there's real relationship, and that's a privilege to be able to, to say that, and that life is possible because, um, not because we have all these common interests together, but because we have Jesus and we share him in common. Um, the Month of December for us as a family is really one nonstop celebration. We have three birthdays in our immediate family. So today is number 15 for Landon. So we want to give Landon, all right, happy birthday, buddy. You bring us a lot of joy. Um, but, I mean, we go from thing to thing. Um, there's a, a house full of ladies last night where there's real relationships, real life happening. Um, and all throughout that, I mean, one of our favorite, when we find a respite moment as a family, through midst of all the celebration, is to, is to pull up a, a Christmas movie and to watch. And uh, even this week is Jen's wrapping gifts, um, because that's what she does, and you don't want me wrapping the gifts. I mean, we'll just, you know, casually in the background have on a Hallmark movie. So, have any Hallmark fans out there? This is a safe place. It's okay, right? <laughs> you know? Um, we, you know, I mean, you can figure out the plot in about 45 seconds to the movie, but there's something that's beautiful, um, in sharing just that, those kinds of stories and, um, love Christmas movies of all kinds, really have been watching them probably since October, but maybe as I look at all of the, the characters that you might find in, uh, in the Christmas kind of genre of movies, probably my all-time favorite is Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, so... Um, not just because, I, I mean, I mean, I think there, he's a very well-written character, but what his life demonstrates is the relationship between where we find life and where we find joy. And you see this total transformation happen that's really representative of what Christmas is all about, Jesus coming into the world. Um, you know, throughout the, the movie, the, A Christmas Carol, you see... I mean, this man who is utterly and totally devoted to money and the pursuit of wealth, and that leads him on a certain path and a certain trajectory where he is absolutely empty, he is absolutely alone, and then he has this epiphany where he comes alive to the reason that God has entrusted him with all of these possessions, and then there's just this joy that is on his you know, just that it's expressed in his life as he finds out that it really is Christmas morning and that he really is alive and that he really does get to share the life that he now holds so precious with other people. And he goes to the Cratchit's house and he celebrates and he locks eyes with Tiny Tim. And there's just this beautiful display of what it means to give life away. And what we're going to talk about this morning is that Jesus is life. To encounter Jesus and to encounter the Christmas season really is to encounter life. It's meant to not just be a, a season that we celebrate, but it's a life that we enter into. And uh, we're going to look at the, first, the book of 1 John. And the book of 1 John is written to a group of people who really didn't understand who God was. They really didn't understand who they were, and they didn't understand what life was all about. But John was a, a follower of Jesus who walked with him for three years. 
And as he saw Jesus' life unfolded, what he saw was this attractive kind of life where people were both simultaneously drawn to him and repelled by him. There were no neutral responses to Jesus in the Bible, right? And so this morning is an invitation for all of us to begin to experience real life in and through Jesus. And so to help the readers of 1 John and really for us to understand what life is all about, Jesus talks about the source and the origin of life. And so we're going to read the first four verses of the book of 1 John. If you're able, would you stand with me? And the reason that we stand is because these words are inspired. These are the words of our King. These are the words that truly bring us life. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? Father, we so much now want to experience the truth of these words. We know there's a difference between merely existing and experiencing life. I believe that you've brought us all here into this moment now to experience life in you, the life that you broke into the world to give us. I pray that this would not be a mere religious exercise, but this would be you imparting life to your people. So to do that, we need you to shine a light on Jesus, for he is the source of life. I need your help to proclaim this word to these folks that I love so that we can celebrate and our joy would be complete. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first four verses of 1 John are just filled with life. Three times in the first four verses, you see this word life and eternal life. And life finds its source and its origin in Jesus. John was a man that had met Jesus and his relationship with Jesus had changed everything for him. He experienced life with Jesus. And so his passion in his life became that everyone that he came in contact with would experience the same kind of life that he did in and through Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He saw him perform miracles. He saw him raise the dead. He saw him actually proclaim words of life and saw people's eternal destinies changed forever. And John wanted the original hearers of this letter and ultimately God is speaking to us this morning through John. It's an invitation for us to come and to experience life. Christmas at its core is God inviting us to share in and experience and participate in the very life of God himself. And to do that, he sent Jesus into the world. The big idea that we're going to look at this morning is Christmas is God's invitation for us to continually experience life in him. 
it is our core conviction that, that God wants us to experience life. He doesn't want us just to exist. He doesn't want us just to survive. He doesn't want us just to make it through the holidays. He actually wants us to share in and participate in the very life that he has given us. We all know that there's a difference between merely existing and having biological life and then actually being fully alive and fully present with people. Christmas at its core is about God inviting us to share in and participate in life. He wants us to flourish in everything that we do. He wants our relationships with one another to manifest and to um, experience life. If you are here and you are merely surviving, he wants to meet you with his very presence and his very self, to, not just to sustain you, but to cause you to flourish and to grow. He invites you in this moment to begin to experience life. And the first thing that we're going to see in this passage is that Christmas means that life comes from God. Life comes from God. Look at verse 1. You'll notice some familiar words. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. So you see those words, in the beginning. That's a throwback to the very beginning of the Bible. The God that created everything. The same one that was present at the original creation now was stepping into the story to bring new life and a new creation to bear. So the the question that we have to ask ourselves is if the same God that was present at creation stepped into the story, why does there need to be a new creation, right? Why do we need to experience life? And the short answer to that is that we live in a world that is steeped in and has the shadow and the smell of death on it. Listen to the prophet Isaiah and what he promises that the Messiah or the Savior, which John is writing about, will do. Isaiah 25 verse 7 says, And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. And what is that veil? He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. So the reason that we need to experience life is that we live in a world that is cast with this shadow of death. Now, we live in a culture that worships the beautiful, that worships the young. We put our aged and our dying away so that we're not confronted with the reality of death. But the reality is the mortality rate for all human beings is 100%, right? We will all die. And so that casts a shadow, not just over us, but over all nations. And Christmas is God's answer to that problem of death. Not only physical death that exists, but also the scriptures paint a picture of those that have not placed their faith in Jesus Christ as spiritually dead, unable to respond to God. So it's into this context that God sends his very son so that people that are living under the shadow of death would experience life and life in him. 
the reason that we say that this message is good news of great joy is because it breaks into a group of people that are under the shadow and the weight and the reality of death. And Jesus Christ is the answer, is the life for that death. There's a story in the Gospel of Luke where there is a widow. It's in the city of Nain. And this widow has lost her only son. He was her only means of survival. He was her livelihood. And Jesus comes across the scene of this young man's funeral. And because Jesus is not a huge fan of death, he steps into this story and he lays hands on the funeral briar itself and the young man stands up and life is restored to him. Now, can you imagine with me just for a moment what it would be like to be in the crowd and to see Jesus physically raise someone from the dead? I mean, there would be wonder and amazement. I'm sure some people wonder if it's some kind of magic trick. And then imagine if you're the widow and life is restored to you, the joy that you would experience in that moment. Now, imagine if you were the son that was brought back from the dead. Don't you think you would live life a little different after being raised from the dead, right? Well, listen, Christmas means for all those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ that we are a group of people that have gotten up from our own funerals, right? Jesus Christ has brought life to us, both life here and now, life with God, and a life that will last forever. So the church is to be a group of people that manifest life, that manifest the reality that Jesus Christ is alive. This is not just some theological truth that we're talking about. This is about us physically being raised from the dead at the end of, um, at the end of all time, but it also is about us manifesting the life of Jesus here and now. This is good news of great joy. So for us, what it does as people that have been raised from death to life is it shows us what life isn't, you know? I mean, we all run after a lot of things that life isn't. Life isn't found in the abundance of possessions, right? Who has ever truly been satisfied by material things, right? Not only that, but life isn't found in the things that we accomplish. It's not found in our children being successful. Life is defined and found in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is the life that he invites us into. Now you may be here this morning and you honestly can say, like, I've never experienced this kind of life. This is the offer of God to you that you could actually have a life that's full of purpose and meaning and joy that comes from and through Jesus Christ. It's described as eternal life. Look at verses 2 and 3. The life was made manifest, that's through Jesus, and we have seen it and we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and we heard, we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Eternal life is Jesus himself, right? So historically, the church has done a wonderful job talking about this concept of eternal life. 
um, where we will live with God forever in eternity. But that's not all that this word means. It's Jesus manifested eternal life everywhere that he went when he would heal the sick or he would raise the dead or he would speak life from his kingdom. That eternal life is supposed to be experienced here and now with the people of God. That we are to manifest as the people of God the very life of God. Which brings me to my second point. Christmas means life with God. Christmas means life with God, that his very life becomes our life. It becomes the source of how we live. Now, over the last several years, my family and I have taken several trips to Branson, Missouri. Any Branson fans out there? All right, yeah, we're going to go over the Christmas holidays as well. And Branson is this unique place (laughs) that's kind of just cut out of the Ozark Mountains. Um, It's filled with almost famous people. You know, like the Duttons. I mean, never really heard of them, but they got their big show, right? Um, 80s, you know, um, TV star, Yakov Smirnoff, all these kinds of people that you can have dinner with. There's also celebrity impersonators, and that's kind of one of my personal things that I want to do is just have dinner with all of these folks. Now, I remember the, the first time that we went to Branson, like we went to this wax museum, right? And so... My kids loved it. Um, I actually have a picture with Jack Black as Nacho Libre. All right, it was awesome. All right, it's one of my favorites. But oftentimes, I think the way that we relate to God is the way that we relate to a wax museum, right? I mean, there's this representation, you know, but it's cold and it's lifeless. And it's just an idea or a concept that we relate to. I think that's why John goes to all of this trouble to say, listen, We walked with him. We touched him. We saw him. We heard him. We saw the miracles that he performed. And he's saying, the same relationship that I had with Jesus is now yours. That's what Christmas means. That the same power that raised people from the dead is present and available to you. And you are invited into this kind of life. And so it's a life that means life to the full. It's a life with meaning and purpose. It's not just life that you will spend eternity with God, but it's a kind of life that you get to live right now where you display the very life of God in your relationships, in your being, as the source of all of your life. John prays in John 17, he says this, he says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all you, all whom you have given to him. And this is what eternal life is. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So eternal life is not just eternity with God. It's actually knowing God. And that's the invitation for for all of us this morning is to take up God's invitation to share in and to participate in the very life of God himself. That is the name of our church. John said, I'm writing this so that you have fellowship with us. That word fellowship means sharing and participating in the life of God. That's what the church is meant to be. It's not just this random group of people that come together on Sundays. It's a group of people that are sharing in the very life of God himself. And then from there, sharing with one another they share that life with the world and so 
that's what Christmas is all about. It's about um, having a relationship with God. And for Jesus, this meant a life in and with the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus came and was led by and was full of the Holy Spirit. And that is the same life that is available to us. Jesus described this as living water, right? For thirsty people to come and drink. For people that needed satisfaction where the world had left them empty and dry. He's saying, you can come to me and you can find satisfaction for your soul. That the Holy Spirit, this life with God, is this never-ending ever-replenishing source of life for you. This doesn't mean that you won't grow weary. It doesn't mean that you won't grow tired. But it means your source will never run out as we stay vitally connected to Him in and through faith that we can experience life with Him. And I'm just convinced of this. Survival mode is not God's design for His people. Right? We are not to live in the same way that the world does, worn out and exhausted. There is this life that is supposed to happen even, and and we pray this oftentimes, we have a prayer meeting um, that you're all invited to at 9.30 in the morning on Sundays, that even casual interactions with us will produce life, right? Our life is supposed to manifest his life, right? There's something supposed to be distinct when we gather in this room, We're not meant to merely survive or to exist. Um, The book of Romans has a couple of phrases that have just been precious to me. Romans chapter 5 says that we are a group of people that are meant to reign in life. Right? We're reigning because we are under the reign of the king. And then Romans 8.37 says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Right? That's our identity. That's what's true of us. Like not only are we going to conquer, but we are more than conquerors because the life of God has been manifest through Jesus Christ. And listen, in a world that is surrounded with the shadow and the veil of death, how important is it for us as the group of the people of God to be able to manifest his life as we live as more than conquerors? Now, there's a way that you can take that that's unhealthy where, you know, suffering becomes something that none of us should ever experience. But the reality is the overwhelming flavor of the people of God is victory because Jesus Christ has come into the world and we get to manifest his life. So let's look at verses 3 and 4 one more time. It says, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. There's a link between experiencing life and giving life away. To truly experience life means that we give it away. John was writing so that his joy would be complete by telling other people about the life that he had in Jesus. So go back to that metaphor that Jesus uses about living water. It's contrasted with um, water that is stagnant and dead. Maybe that had been dammed up by an animal, right? It becomes murky. Death is, becomes kind of the flavor of that water. But what happens if you, if you take that dam off, 
right? Water begins to flow and life begins to flow. And this is counterintuitive to us because I know that I'm in a room full of people that are just like me that need encouragement, right? That need to experience life. And so our natural inclination in those moments is to want someone to come to us, to build us up. And and you guys honestly are amazing at this. But what this passage teaches is if you need to experience life and you need to experience joy, the way that you do that is by giving life away to other people. Right? Life flows and joy flows from people that give life away. So we're, be, we're called to be stewards of the life that Jesus has given us. I mean... We just have this opportunity each and every week with people that we come in contact with in our workplaces. People that need to experience life. To be able to give that life away. As a church, meeting inside of gospel communities, you have a chance to impart the life that God has given you. So this, this is what it would look like quite practically. The things that God speaks to you about, your, about himself, the things that you take in through his word, assume they're not just for you, right? They're meant to be given away. They're meant to be shared. So God wants to meet you, but he wants to meet you so that you can help to meet someone else. And that's how the church, instead of becoming dead or dormant, becomes this life-giving force. Uh, In in 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus is referred to as a life-giving spirit. And that's what the church is meant to be. We're meant to be a life-giving spirit to the world. We have life And this is God's design that we would give life away. I want to close with this story um, from one of my favorite authors, Bob Goff. And he is an expert at what it means to love people. He is an expert at what it means to give life away. Um, Very early on in his marriage, um, he he and his wife decided that they were going to move from their house to another house in their neighborhood. It was basically like moving across the street. And so he said it was different, like when you're moving across the street, you're not just doing business with someone, but you're wanting to figure out who you are going to end up doing life with. And he said that he had about five offers on his house, and so his family had this great big meeting to decide who they wanted to sell the house to. And then he says, After meeting all the people who wanted to buy our home, Our family unanimously picked Carol to be our neighbor. She was a standout. Carol was a widow in her early 50s. She was moving to San Diego to be closer to her family and was hoping to live near the bay. The Bible talks a lot about how we should care for widows. I don't think God did this just to be nice to them. I bet he knew that we'd find out a great deal about ourselves if we did. We gave Carol a group hug and we welcomed her to the neighborhood. And so their life with Carol began. So they had this kind of relationship where the kids would share things that happened in their day. And they wanted to go over and share with Carol. They would draw her pictures when they were in grade school. And this is what he said about his relationship with Carol. He said, in the decades that passed, we gave Carol the house keys. I would call her a couple times a week to see how she was doing. My phone calls to check in on Carol were never long, but they were always meaningful. One day I called Carol to see how she was doing, and she struck an uncharacteristically serious tone. Her voice broke a little as she said, Bob, I just got back from the doctor, and he gave me some news. I have cancer. 
Her words hung over the phone like they were stuck in the wires. I was sad for Carol, and I could tell that she was terrified. I thought about it for a second, and I said, Carol, I'm coming over with something. No doubt she was a little puzzled. I rushed to Radio Shack, and I got us two walkie-talkies. I set up one next to Carol's bed, and I set up the other one next to ours. Carol and I started talking exclusively on walkie-talkies. The first time I called her over the radio waves, I said, Hello, Carol. The walkie-talkie made that static sound that they make in the movies. After a few long seconds, Carol's voice came crackling over the radio. Bob, is that you? I laughed as I thought, who else would it be? (laughs) Something happens when you're talking on walkie-talkies. You get the same feeling when you connect two peach cans together with a string. You instantly become transformed into nine-year-olds. No one has cancer, nobody is alone, and no one is terrified anymore. Our houses became tree forts, walkie-talkies were the cans. Carol and I talked for the next couple of years on the walkie-talkies. These walkie-talkies didn't fix her cancer, but something much bigger happened. She was not afraid anymore. Another scene went like this. He said, Carol began a long and a ferocious fight with cancer, which had laid claim to many parts of her body, but cancer could never touch her spirit. One simple reason, she wasn't afraid anymore. She was playing offense and not defense. I gave Carol a ride to one of her chemotherapy appointments. We sat in the chairs next to each other and laughed a lot. I brought little colored umbrellas to put in the chemo bags, and I asked the nurse to hook me up with a bag of my own. Carol and I pretended that we were in Hawaii sitting by a pool. When you're together with someone you love, you get to decide where you are, even if it's different from where you actually are. In their neighborhood, they always had a parade on New Year's Day. One time, Carol got to be the, the leader, the grand marshal of the parade. And near the end of her life, one of the things that she wanted to do most was to be able to see one more parade. And this is how Carol ended her life. On New Year's Day, Carol was clinging to life by a few threads and was far too weak to get out of bed. She'd made it to the day of the parade that she had once presided over as queen. This was an ambition, I think, that had sustained her over the last last months of her courageous battle. Just before the parade started, my sons Richard and Adam, along with Lindsay's husband John, went across the street and carried Carol from her bedroom to a chair that they'd placed in front of her living room with a window facing the street. Carol could hear the music and knew the parade was coming soon, but she couldn't see past the corner of her window. What she didn't know is that we had changed the parade route and within a few minutes, all 500 people walked right through her front yard. I sat next to Carol, holding her hands as hundreds of her friends and neighbors walked up to her window and pressed their noses against it, waved to her and bounced balloons. As they did, though, through tears, Carol lifted her weak hands and slowly to her mouth blew kisses to each one of them as they went by. A few days later, Jesus lifted Carol up to heaven. It would be her second parade of the week. I don't know if the streets of heaven are paved in gold, but I'm kind of hoping they're lined with balloons. And at the end of the parade, I bet we'll find Jesus blowing us kisses, rubbing our noses, and welcoming us to our next neighborhood. I just hope that I get to have a house somewhere near Carol again. The reason that I share that story is because life is meant to flow from us to other people. We live in a city that is full of carols, people that are overlooked, people that are neglected, 
people that are longing for someone to be able to impart life to them. And what we will find as we give the life that we share with God away, that we actually are built up and we actually are edified, right? We all have an opportunity each and every day because we have been given the life in and through Jesus Christ to be able to give that away. You're going to be going and sharing holidays with family members and friends that need life, that need hope. And this passage and this morning is just an invitation for you to experience that kind of life so that you can give this kind of life away. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you that you have loved us and you gave yourself up for us. Thank you that you've manifested life. I pray that you would impart life to us now as we encounter Jesus by faith, that there would be a a real joy as we sing to you, that there would be a real confidence that we belong to you. I pray that you would sustain the weary now and impart life where there are relationships that are broken. I pray that you would um, meet them, resurrect them. For those that have never placed their faith in you, I pray that you would impart life now, um, that as we look to Jesus, that we would be changed in a moment. Father, we look to you as the source of life. Thank you for entering into our story and for taking away the sting of death and giving us life and relationship in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.